So, a little bit different. I wasn't quite sure. I'm like, do we bring out the birthday cake now? And <laughs> um, you know, Aboriginal people use humour. Uh, it's a very important part of our culture because it's hard. Life is hard. Uh, and it's been hard for generation after generation after generation. Um, and so I guess where I came to tonight was to go to share my life with you. Um, and sometimes it's hard. Uh, but then we have times where we celebrate. And that's where this, uh, the whole year fits into perspective for us. January 26, we can mourn together as a nation on January 26. We then come to National Reconciliation Week, and we'll come back to that one. And then you've got NAIDOC Week, where we celebrate the world's oldest living continuing cultures. So how I've described that this year is that January 26 is like our Good Friday, uh, NAIDOC Week is like our Easter Sunday, and Reconciliation Week is that Easter Saturday, that grey area. Um, and so don't let your whole focus be on Reconciliation Week. It's got to be each and every day of the year because that's what life is like for us. Um, and I, I know many of you are uh, journeying with me as my friends and see those highs and those lows, and I thank you for being on that journey. But there's many other Aboriginal Christian um, leaders and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders um, that need friendship and journeying um, together and support. And so, uh, you know, I was originally going to do a bit of a workshop and explain treaty and voice and truth and what does all that mean. But there is enough information out there for you to find that. Um, but I left this time open for questions. That's why I got Steph to say, if you came with a question tonight, what was that question? Um, so that we uh, can have um, a question time. If you do want to ask those questions about what does it mean or something specifically from what I've shared tonight. Uh, what does it mean to decenter your whiteness? So, what does... Um, America has been on a much longer journey with this than Australia has. Australia hasn't even started the conversation. Uh, and so we can learn from some of our American friends. Would, would you like to answer for us? I've been doing a lot of work on the Hill in Washington, D.C. And as an African-American clergywoman, I think some of the decentralization happens with first the openness of perspective of white privilege, right? So this idea that I came, this, there was an illustration I, I saw once about equality versus equity, and it was these children standing on a box. And the idea that the father didn't need a box, the father's standing, and he had sons, and they put an image of equity and equality next to each other. And equality was that we'd be on the same field. So there was a hole, and one of the little boys could look through because the way his box was, it was right at the hole. But if that other boy who was smaller than him could be at that same level, he couldn't see. So if we just made everything equal, it still wouldn't make us on the same path because we actually had a different height or we had a different advantage. But equity says that we come to the table, all of us whole, at the same place, right? So this idea that if I am perceived as the superior one, then I recognize that and I displace myself in honoring of you who has not been held in that esteem. And I give you voice, as she's talking about this voice, I give you space to voice whatever has happened that has 
dehumanized you. I give you space and I welcome you and I retell your story to every person who would oppose. If we all just equal, that will fix it. No, we didn't start at the same place. I was pulled from a ship, <laughs> pulled onto a ship and taken someplace else. This is not my land. And in this case, you are on their land. <laughs> so it's a little bit different than the African Americans. But my sisters here, the reason why they came is because they were doing the sit-ins. They were doing the, the civil rights with Martin Luther King. They were doing a lot of that work. And so I thought their perspective was also helpful because I would not have had the chance that I have now to speak on the Hill and raise my voice about things that are, that are unequal. And, but they started this, my, my sisters, they started in the civil rights movement and they were marching when King said march. And when King was not the one who was the leader, I'm just finding out even though the United States made him the leader that there are persons like um, Wither, um, uh, persons in Birmingham that were actually some of the faces of those communities, but here even in that, when the leaders who were actually on the ground who recognized that they would not get as much acknowledgement as King, they deferred to King. Even though King was not the person, um, uh, uh, Shuttlesworth, uh, Shuttlesworth in, in Birmingham, the, all of those things that happened in Birmingham were really about this Shuttlesworth person, but nobody even knows who Shuttlesworth is, right? Because what Shuttlesworth did, he said, even if I don't get the credit, I'm the one who, they're bombing me. I'm, I'm literally, in, on Christmas Day, they're bombing me, my children, and my house. But when King comes, they will hear King's voice. They will not hear mine. So I will decentralize myself as the leader in this moment in Birmingham, putting my life on the line in, in, in the bus boycotts and, and so on and so forth. And I'll let King take the credit because he has the voice that they will listen to. So whoever has to hear uh, speak, and if it's King that's got to get the credit for it, I will step aside. As Fred Shuttlesworth, he didn't have to do that, but he recognized if I'm going to move the issue forward, I've got to let who they'll hear be, be the person who takes the credit, even though I'm the one who will be ultimately lifting the weights, right? So for my sisters, they may have a different view of that, but I thank you, um, Brooke, for even allowing us to even mention that there's place that, that you, you are joining us in the fight, right? It's not us pushing it forward as African-American and as Aboriginal leaders. It's all of us as God's children standing together shoulder to shoulder and saying we all have value in, in God's eyes. Thank you for that. And I'll just add, so to in the Australian context, so by decentering whiteness, I'm talking about that running the, the race. So that equity, equality example of standing on the, um, the boxes, it's the same as the start line in the race and uh, non-Aboriginal people are at the start line. Aboriginal people are 100 metres behind. So we've got to run 200 metres where you've got to run 100 metres. So to recognise that it's not that equal and fair distribution, uh, and that, you know, it's not until 1967 that we get full citizenship rights. Um, so citizenship came in 1963-64, uh, but then the referendum in 67, that's not that long ago. Um, so even when you look at the 250-year race of colonisation where Aboriginal people are starting from, and what um, the civil rights movement here in Australia, we've had Aboriginal people who were the Dr Martin Luther King juniors, but Australia doesn't know them. Um, or doesn't want to know them. Um, William Ferguson is another one. He just had a statue and monument unveiled recently. Um, and the news article said he was Australia's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But that's not quite right. 
because we've had so many. Um, and so that's part of telling William Cooper's story, so Doug Nichols' story, Auntie Jean Phillips' story. What we talk about here in Australia for Aboriginal people is being in the struggle. Um, that means you have been an activist who has fought for the rights. And most of those activists, as William Cooper was saying in the nine, late 1930s, that we are Christian people. Um, they have been Aboriginal Christian leaders. Uh, and so that's where it's so important that the church um, is on the journey with us still today. But thanks for your question. Um, so as you said, there's so much information out there about treaty and about uh, stuff that we can read on how, what to do about, you know, uh, bringing forward this agenda. Um, my question is, I've heard so many different views from different Aboriginal groups and different um, people from different parts of Australia and different uh, walks of life and different ages. And... Um, so even with the statement from the heart, there are people who rejected it, Indigenous groups that rejected it, and there were indi lots of Indigenous groups that accepted it. And it can be really hard to know what to accept and what to sort of, um, what to amplify with what we have, what the voices that we as non-Indigenous people have. Um, how do you propose dealing with that issue of the just so much information and differing perspectives on that? I think that's what I was trying to uh, get to when I said I want you to feel voice treaty truth. Um, so what does it mean? Like we don't have those things at all. So let's not non-Aboriginal people get into the arguments about what they are. It's not even on the table yet. Um, so I need you to keep having the conversation in Australia with your friends and family and church saying, Aboriginal people need a voice to parliament, Aboriginal people need a treaty and treaties, and Aboriginal Australia, the, not just Aboriginal people, Australia needs this, and a truth-telling commission. Um, so, uh, and the other thing I do say is that I await the day that diversity of Aboriginal opinion is something to be celebrated and not condemned. Uh, and I guess this is even back to the decentering the whiteness. Non-Aboriginal people in Australia don't have to agree on everything. And that's part of the reason we don't have voice treaty truth. Um, it's actually the non-Aboriginal diversity of opinion, um, not the Aboriginal um, opinion. Um, my own two cents worth is I want William Cooper's original which was actual seats in Parliament. And that was Noel Pearson's original. But then he got up to the government organised Uluru Statement from the Heart where they wanted to... Um, they were government-selected people um, who was... That's why the government was so upset because these were Aboriginal people that were supposed to agree with them. And then they came back and disagreed, but then there's a whole range of thought and feeling. So I still want our seats in Parliament. Uh, you know, which was what William Cooper was saying at the beginning of Federation um, and Aboriginal peoples have said um, for ages. And so it does mean developing a new system. But our systems are not just broken, whether that's the prison system, the hospital system, every system that affects the lives of Aboriginal people, they actually have to be dismantled and started again. It's a new system. It's not repairing a broken system. It's creating a new system. And so that does mean we really have to think about these things um, and that non-Aboriginal people that, you know, um, listening to the Aboriginal voices, but how do you feel those things? How do we just get them on the table and then we can have the more detailed discussions? In, as Christians and in our own personal prayer life and then in our uh, communities, church communities, Christian communities, prayer lives, um, what 
if I mean there's a lot there's a lot to be praying for, uh, but uh, if if there was something that we could be committing in prayer on a regular basis and be encouraging our communities to be praying for, um, yeah, what what would that be? Uh, so the first thing that I want we've got to consolidate our efforts, I think, and for me that um, centres around common grace as an avenue to help to disseminate the information like I would love us to have a prayer letter that goes out um, to Christians and churches uh, but it's about how do you get this stuff on the agenda at your church Um, can you create a prayer group in your church Uh, how do we bring people together um, as Christians in particular Uh, and you know there was I think it was three years ago and I tracked, I'd spoken in 12 churches um, during the year and every time I'd uh, spoken, I'd asked them to set up a prayer group for Aboriginal justice and peoples and ministry. Um, Not one of those 12 churches had established a prayer group. So, um, you know, it's really about the action that non-Aboriginal people need to take because we keep asking and giving the ideas, but it's got to be the uptake of those. And so... For me, Common Grace is a way that we can get information out there. So signing up on the website at commongrace.org.au, following the Facebook page, and then the resources that are coming out, not just keeping them for yourself, but sharing those resources. So, you know, for National Reconciliation Week, we've got a blog and a prayer and an action coming out each and every day. Uh, And so, you know, those actions, seven actions during the week will probably take you a year to do, um, but can you actually do them? So... Um, you know, I guess it's another example of that information being out there. But, you know, if we had, I don't know how many churches we have represented here, but if each of your churches started a prayer group, um, and Aunty Jean has been asking for decades for churches to do this, um, prayer is so important. We understand that as Aboriginal peoples. Um, let's see if we were actually praying for justice for Aboriginal peoples, what Australia could look like. We've got some state governments looking at treaty stuff, mm. um, but, but I've also read uh, someone saying you need to do the national one first just because of, you know, this place's constitution over the whole land mm. <laughs> and then the other regional ones have to come second. Is that is that a reasonable understanding of... What yes. we should be pushing for, or so whilst in I'm supporting, not, I mean. Yes. Um, whilst I'm not a constitutional lawyer, I spend my spare time looking at constitutions around the world, <laughs> including Australia's constitution. Um, so I guess that's the first question. If you can put up your hand if you've read Australia's constitution. Um, and so this is our starting point, right? Um, Well, it's not actually our starting point. Our starting point is understanding that for over 65,000 years, Aboriginal people um, are sovereign peoples appointed by God, our boundaries appointed by God, and that sovereignty has never been ceded. Um, And so uh, my reading and research is that 
only sovereign nations can make treaties. So if we're going to use the international convention of a treaty, it can only be between sovereign nations. So that means that we have to give up a bit as Aboriginal people to recognise the sovereignty of Australia, because that actual question hasn't been answered. Is Australia sovereign or are we still under British rule? Um, because of the Terra Nullius and the Mabo case, what is Australia's international position? Um, existence uh, is one of the questions. Uh, and if you go to the Australian government website, it's got a treaty making process which spells out that it's between sovereign nations. And so that's where Australia has made over 2,000 treaties internationally, but can't make one with its first peoples. And we can look to the examples in America and in Canada where there have been and are treaties. The next point about that is that treaties can be broken and have been broken in the US and Canada. And so even if we get a treaty, it is we the peoples that have to keep the government accountable to keeping those treaty and treaties. But so that's where it becomes problematic when a state is negotiating a treaty because it can't actually be a treaty because a state is not a sovereign nation. Um, and so I'm concerned about what that means in the, I guess the common law aspect of, or the parliamentary legislation part of that. Um, but we do talk about treaty, treaties and agreements. So that would be an agreement. It's going to be like a service level agreement, um, but we'll have to see where that goes. And I really honour and acknowledge, particularly in Victoria, the Aboriginal leaders that have worked towards treaty. I'm not trying to undermine or undo their work. It's been important work because it's put the treaty conversation on the table. But I am concerned about what that means in the grand scheme of things because my research is that only sovereign nations can make treaties. The Yulongu peoples who um, absolutely have maintained their sovereignty up in Arnhem Land, they're ready to make a treaty with the Australian government. Um, and most of Australia has never been up to Arnhem Land and up to their lands. Um, and so uh, that's where the treaties comes into it. So I say a treaty, we need a national treaty, which has universal declarations um, for the human rights of Aboriginal people, which would be very similar to the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, which I'm also asking churches to put up in their churches, the UN um, Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And if you haven't read that, go and read that before you read the Constitution. Um, and uh, then that paves the way for treaties with individual sovereign Aboriginal nations. Um, so. Yeah, so we pray for Victoria. Um, the other states that were negotiating treaties took it off the table. The South Australian government, the New South Australian government took treaty off the table. So under Mutna people, Naranjeri peoples, they were ready. Um, they'd been working towards treaty uh, and then the government took it off the table. So um, we have to pay attention to what the states are doing, um, but we're trying to negotiate at the federal level. See why I was frustrated? I couldn't go to the regional dialogues. <laughs> <laughs> We've probably got time for one more question because we want to hear from Arnie Jean and then Cole's going to bring a song for us. Uh, what would you uh, say to those people like in reconciliation uh, groups um, or other people who mean well but then they focus on constitutional recognition or um, also the statement of the heart where they don't really realize that it's more government driven and it's not really the grassroots people mm. on the ground like the activists who really have maybe different opinions and how, I don't know how to 
convince or show them the other side or how they they just pursue one one way and then they spend all these efforts and time on on something rather than maybe try to help where it's really helped or, or helpful or you know other people who say well how can we make treaties with the government the way the system is still running and with yeah. all the injustices still occurring how can can that be possible what yeah. would you t say to those who may have given up on pursuing treaty because they don't just don't trust the system yeah that's right so you know even to do this talk and to talk about voice treaty truth when we know our children are locked up in watch houses if you haven't watched that four corners episode about the brisbane watch house but that's not a new thing that's been happening for years and decades and we've been using our voices aboriginal people saying pay attention pay attention um, and so uh, people are paying attention and i wrote about this when dylan voller in um, the northern territory uh, as a child is placed in a spit hood in a youth detention centre and I thought Australia had woken up but then I wrote and this is um, in a blog for Common Grace that Australia fell back asleep again and now they've woken up again with the Brisbane watch houses but they've gone back to sleep. Um, so at the moment uh, Dylan Voller's sister is going into um, a place in the Northern Territory, I think one of the like corrections places, every Tuesday but there's like six people going in there. It's like all of, I think it's in Alice Springs, all of Alice Springs should be going in there and demanding a change to the system. Um, because the kids that are in detention centre, they haven't even been convicted. They're waiting for their um, sentence and so forth. And they might be like released, but these are children who are, you know, getting stripped naked and imprisoned and put in solitary confinement. So let alone the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, the UN Declaration on the Rights of Children is being abused here in Australia. And that's basically Aboriginal children. And so it's hard, like how do you talk about these national things? Um, you know, it's hard to talk about reconciliation when you've got these daily issues, the poverty that exists in Australia. Um, then when we come to the church, the lack of resource of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander ministry um, and resourcing of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders is disgraceful. We've got this long heritage and we're begging for scraps. And it's hard to say that, but that's the reality. Um, and it's been the reality for far too long. Um, and so, you know, the things like reconciliation does have its place but it's got to come with the action and the truth and the reality of each and every day um, because we've got to do the hard stuff not just the nice fluffy stuff um, because to have the hope you've got to come through the trauma and the pain both come together um, the joy and the sorrow um, and it's all of those affections and feelings that will lead to the healing. You can't just pick this bit and that bit and have true and proper healing. You've got to deal with all of it. Um, and so I guess it's, you know, just finding the balance. And at the moment, it's in, there's an imbalance because there's a lot about these reconciliation um, groups and talking about reconciliation, but the truth and the action is down here and it's got to, it's actually got to go that way. So, um, we, Annie Jean Phillips, would you like to come and share some closing words for us? 
and then Cole's going to sing um, and then uh, Steph will close us out and uh, we'll have some supper and tea and coffee outside together. Um, but I do just really want to thank you. For me, this is friendship. Friendship means lots um, and it means really sharing ourselves. And that friendship for me is what the church should look like. This is what the body of Christ should look like, where we are open and honest and truth tellers um, and where we can journey through the pain. Um, we can celebrate in the joy and the light um, and through all of that, we can have the hope. Uh, and so I pray that you keep uh, praying with me, hoping with me, and that we can lead to true and lasting healing um, in this land and nation. Uh, and I do actually just want to acknowledge Ruby as well. Um, Ruby uh, from South Africa, but her father was involved uh, in South Africa during apartheid. Um, and when we talk about truth telling, um, it has been done in South Africa. And uh, uh, I thank Ruby for being able to share her story and life with me um, as an encouragement um, uh, to me and my journey, um, as well as you know, all of the Aboriginal Christian leaders on whose shoulders I stand upon and in whose footsteps I walk um, in, into the future. So thank you. Thank you, Brooke. I'm a Queenslander. And Queenslander, there's been being told off in the last week because they're voting. <laughs> so don't you tell don't you tell me off tonight. <laughs> um, Jean, could I just introduce you properly? Okay. These younger people. I know. <laughs> so I just want <laughs> um, I just want to introduce Auntie Jean Phillips properly because often she talks in environments and people don't understand who we actually have in our presence. Annie Jean is one of the most senior Aboriginal Christian leaders of all denominations in Australia. Um, Annie Jean has given over 60 years of her life uh, to ministry. Um, she's probably one of only, uh, with Annie Jean and Ruby, uh, that, you know, those when I was saying 86 years, 83 years, um, that that's their whole lifetimes. Uh, and so, uh, I'm very grateful for Auntie Jean Phillips, who uh, has been the visionary behind the Grass Tree Gathering, where seven years ago, I didn't know another Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leader. And now I have, there's a network of over 200 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders connected up with. Um, and uh, so she was a great inspiration to many of us younger ones uh, and has much to share, not just about ministry and Aboriginal um, justice, but actually about Australian church history. And so uh, also keep in mind when Aboriginal leaders come to talk to you, to remember their full names and their stories. Um, and so thank you, Annie Jean, for being here and sharing with us. Thank you, Brooke, and I'll be very quick. There's three things I just want to share with you. Like I live in Brisbane, and um, I've been there for a number of years, although I've worked in other parts of Australia too, in Aboriginal ministries. And um, I'm involved with a number of things up there, as well as ministry and visiting pe uh, people 
in their homes and trying to, and I'm saying trying to set up churches. I'll tell you the most difficult thing in this country is trying to set up Aboriginal churches. But I was born on one of the big reserves in um, southeast Queensland. That's where I came to know the Lord. Our church there was connected with an interdenominational missionary society. We had the biggest Sunday school in that state, and we had um, one of the biggest Christian endeavor uh, in the state of Queensland. And out of that church came many wonderful Aboriginal and Christian leaders. Uh, most of them today are in heaven. And Pastor David Kirk, one of the greatest Aboriginal and Christian pastors in this nation, he was the, he had a vision for the church of this, Aboriginal church of this nation. And um, he began many Christian organizations. And uh, one of the things that he said to me before he died, if you keep your mouth shut, you'll never get anywhere. And I get criticized a lot for opening my mouth. So all I say it came from Pastor David Kirk. And if you're Baptist people, he was the brother-in-law of the Reverend Graham Paulson. Um, when I was down in uh, Surrender in March, I went and visited the people from Belgrave Arts Christian Endeavour, a Christian um, conference. Belgrave Arts, you know, they have their big uh, conferences or, no, not conference, what do you call it? Convention. Convention, I'm sorry, yeah. And the same as Katoomba. And I've been waiting, wanting to meet these people for a long time, so I wanted to ask them, why haven't they had an Aboriginal person ever speaking at their conventions? And I said, Brookie, you better come along <laughs> with me too, so that you can meet them and tell them. Um, I like to talk, and I'm not going to be talking about it tonight, about the history. As Brooke said, and I always say, your history is our history. Our history is yours. That history has never been dealt with in this country. Never. Because if it was, we wouldn't be in the situation we are in this country today. And um, only last week, there was a, um, a, a event held in Brisbane where and some of us wasn't aware of it, even though we were Queenslanders. We knew that our kids were being locked up, but we didn't realize to what extent. And I want you to pray for Queensland. Apparently it's one of the worst states that we were told from uh, the person from Human Rights last week. And even tonight, I was speaking to one of the leaders up there in Brisbane today, over 62 Aboriginal children are locked up in the watch houses in Brisbane. And that's an indictment upon our nation. Brooke was speaking about the government and treaty. I like to challenge the Christian church of this nation because we're in a mess and only a handful of us are trying to get it out of that mess. Why is it that all of our kids are locked away? because the prisons are filled mainly with Aboriginal people. And that's an indictment upon the Aboriginal church as well as the white churches. I don't want you to answer it tonight, but how many churches in this country support Aboriginal ministries? How many of you do? 
There's one man that I want to thank in this country today, and that's Dave Andrews. Many of you have heard of Dave Andrews. Dave Andrews um, comes from Queensland, son of a Baptist minister. But through Dave Andrews, and I thank God for him, because Dave is a man who's got a real heart for justice. And through Dave's, he used to run a number of courses throughout the year on different issues, including Aboriginal people. And through those events, many of those young people came to know me and are involved with me today, and it's over 20 years. And many of those young people said, Annie Jean, I would never leave you. And I thank God for them. We've had no money in Aboriginal ministry. But over 20 years ago, or 25 years ago, I decided we've got to raise some money. We can't be living the way that we are. And a big evangelical Anglican church in South Brisbane, that church was offered to me, and I thank God for that minister. He's a graduate of Moore College. Please don't hold that against him. Um, but he's up there in Brisbane. He's retiring next year. 26 years he's been at that church. And 25 years this year since I've been having a dinner at that church. And that minister has never rebuked me, ever never checked on me or said, the hall, our hall is available to you, Auntie Jean. And he'll be retiring next year. Maybe my last unless someone else goes there, maybe the last time I'll have my dinner. But I want to say that those young people have committed all those years to supporting my dinners. We don't charge people, people just give out the all. And I support, I don't get a cent out of those dinners. Two weeks ago, we had our soup night. Brooke was the auctioneer and she was auctioning our cakes for, and she was getting over $50 for the cakes. I want to say that why should we be having those events when the Christian church with all of its wealth and is not supporting Aboriginal ministry? Annie Alex Gator, an Aboriginal Anglican lady in Brisbane, is not supported by any Anglican church. And yet the number of Cars for registration, I pay for them through those dinners and those soup nights. And I want to ask every church in this country if they would adopt, and I want to ask you tonight, if you could adopt someone in ministry, even if it's just paying for the registration of the car. If you're a good Anglican, and I hope you are, <laughs> what about taking up Annie Alex Gator? In this last 12 months, we lost about, I think about 10 Aboriginal pastors. And, and that's a lot. We haven't got many Aboriginal pastors coming into our ministry today. And I said to them down at Belgrave Heights, there's only two Aboriginal pastors we've got left in this country with experiences. And that's Uncle Ray Minicon and Pastor Reverend uh, Graham Paulson. Well, Uncle Graham will not be able to speak at any of these meetings because he's just far from well. And his wife, Annie Iris, was taken into hospital again the other day. The health of our people 
even in ministry. And we can't go to the government about all of that because we're the responsibility of God's people and Australia has benefited as what has happened to Aboriginal people. The wealth of this nation and yet God's work is suffering around this nation. One of my relatives was speaking at the dinner a couple of weeks ago in the area of Brisbane. Um, what do you call that? Down at um, where Faith and will live. Logan. Logan. One of the poorest areas in Australia. Over 25 suicides. That's with kids in that area. And that's only one part of Australia. And what are we doing about it? Your history. You've been, we don't want your properties back. We don't want your churches back. We don't want your homes back. Even though John Howard might have told you that a few years ago. <laughs> don't you believe those politicians? But I want all of you here tonight to ring up to your politician. And especially those of you you voted for who's in government today, including the Prime Minister, and ask them what are they doing about Aboriginal issues in this country. It's your responsibility. You cannot leave to all of us. Some of us, like Annie Alex Gator, you take the Aboriginal Catholic ministry out of Brisbane, you've got nothing there. The Catholics are putting our folks to shame giving scholarships to their children. They come to me and they said, have you got any children to give a scholarship? I said, look, they're the, schol they're the responsibility of the Protestant churches. And it's one thing to be giving overseas and we need to be supporting work overseas. But what about what's happening in this nation? And so I want to leave that with you tonight. I'm trying to set up two scholarships. Some of you know Stevie Jeannie Ochin, my nephew's daughter. We're trying to set up a scholarship for her so she can get through. Chrissy Ellis is another young woman. Um, there are quite a number of Aboriginal lawyers in our country, but quite a few of them came from Christian homes. They don't want anything to do with the Christian church today. They've told me that the Christian church don't care for our people. And so Chrissy is a Christian young woman, and we're trying to help her to put her through uni. So at least we'll have one Christian lawyer in this country. So people like Chrissy and Stevie, and there could be others coming on board. Let us do something. My friend of East Sue and her husband have been looking after me for the last few days, and not only me, they have other Aboriginal people living in their homes. Sue was talking about having a soup night at her place for 20 people. Maybe you could do the same and invite your friends so that they can hear more about Aboriginal issues. We get so much criticism from, even from Christians. You Aboriginal people get so much money from the government. What are you doing with it? Well, I want to say tonight, not one Aboriginal ministry in this country gets one cent from the government. The churches or their own denomination, including the Baptists, I like to give the Baptists up, a bit of a bashing for every now and again too because they're bad as the Anglicans and all the others. 
So if you're a Baptist tonight, I want to see you. <laughs> so that we can work it out. Because you've had some wonderful Aboriginal Christians within Baptist circles. And the Baptists have failed. A lady rang me the other day, and she grew up in the Baptist, and I won't tell you what she said, but she's, she's so hurt. But we need to be coming together. And this is the only thing that's going to bring us together, is the cross. Is the cross. It's the cross that's going to make it right in this nation. It's not about the political system, although it does have its place. Just the other day, I was walking out of a shopping centre and this couple came up to me and said, I haven't seen you for a long time. I said, I've been around them. And then they started talking about the election. They said, isn't it wonderful? I said, oh, yes. Um, and I, I happen to be living in the, um, um, a liberal area and no one will ever take the liberal, will knock the liberals out in that area. And um, I said, oh, yes, right. Then she started going to town on the get-up people. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, she was going to town on the get-up people. I said, well, I don't know all the get-up people. Um, but I said, you know, there were probably Christians amongst the get-up people. And the one from climate change, she said, oh, will they? I said, yes. And I said, I want to tell you one thing, though. I believe that many of those people are involved with Aboriginal people and probably supporting Aboriginal ministry or working for justice for Aboriginal people. She said, truly? I said, yes. I said, where's all the Christians? What are they doing with Aboriginal ministry? Oh, she said, I better go now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, but that's, that's true. So tonight, you're going to make a decision. You're going to do something or you're not going to do anything. Doesn't matter how small or how big it is so that we can make Australia a better nation. These are cards that we sell. My relative in Kofsaba, one of the finest Christian women in this country. You might know me, you might know Brooke, but you don't get to know Glennie. Glennie's been running camps for over 30 years. Not one cent has come from the government. We've raised our own money, even through St Andrew's Anglican Church in South Brisbane. And that's a church I, I trust and pray that other churches of all denominations, including Anglicans here in Sydney, could look to that church and say, if that church has helped to support Aboriginal ministry for over 20 years, why can't my church do it? And Lenny does cards and other artwork, and most of the money from that, she goes to a Baptist church, she gives them a bit of a doing there sometimes, um, but she goes to this Baptist church, but she also supports Aboriginal ministries. How many of you know about that, um, what's that book? Our Mob God Story. Our Mob God Story. Okay, yeah, well, Glennie and my other nephew was part of bringing that all together. Now, at the end of this year, Glennie is going to start up having the camps again. And, uh, just recently, I took some of the young people at my age to a camp. I was very exhausted, <laughs> because <laughs> not through them, because I just come back from other, other meetings. But those kids were terrific. And uh, we raised our own money for them to go to the camp. And some of the clergy said to me, Anna Jean, we wished we had these children in our church. And they were tremendous. 
but we tried to bring them up in a Christian way with Christian involvement. So we're taking them on a camp at the end of the year down to near Kofsaba. But I told them they can only go to the camp if they help me to raise money. So we're having a big garage sale there in Brisbane. So be praying for that garage sale because I don't want them to just go on a camp that we provide the money. They will do their part. But if someone like to help us to sponsor some of those kids, and we're trying to get that all over Brisbane because the detention centres are just filled with our kids there in the north. And um, hopefully, Brooke will be, or the person from Human Rights will be in touch with Brooke. And I want Brooke to call Christians together here in this state or in this city. I'm hoping to see the Archbishop tomorrow. The reason why I'm down here is for the Bush Church Aid annual meeting for 100 years. Pastor Neville Naden will be speaking there. Neville comes from a fine Christian family, a godly family. And I've come down also to support Neville. And then they dragged me in. I thought I was going to sit in the back seat of the cathedral. But they've got me doing something there tomorrow. But um, hopefully we can come together to bring true, recon and there'll never be true reconciliation in this nation. Because a lot of our kids are in there because of poverty. This is a Queensland book. I have difficulty in selling it but where Aboriginal people worked and have never, ever been paid. paid. Over 20 hospitals in, Queen, in Brisbane area and uh, north of Brisbane, those hospitals were built with the wages of Aboriginal people who were never, ever paid. The roads, and if ever you go to Brisbane, you're driving on those roads, those roads were built with the money belonging to these Aboriginal people who worked. Many of those people have died, even in the last few months, and their family will never, ever get that money. So we're trying to do a campaign in getting Christians. Even before the elections next year, we're told in the North that they're going to kick, kick out the Labor people in Queensland, whether it'll happen or not, I don't know. But in the meantime, we want them to be talking about stolen wages. All of these things are happening in this nation. And so Christians have to rise up Educate yourselves on Aboriginal issues so that we can move forward, and we can. And I guess I'm one person in this country who've been blessed with so many wonderful Christian people as well as non-Christian people. And I thank God for all the people that he's brought to me in my life. And I tell our kids and our families, and I come from a family, a wonderful Christian family who do a lot in Logan, a lot of people look down on Logan. There's a lot of poor white families there as well as Aboriginal people, people, people from other races. But our family are a lovely Christian family there. They care for people. We raise all of our own money. We try to feed other people down there out at Logan and care for them because there's so much, not only poverty, but suicides even with our children. So thank you for giving me this opportunity of being here tonight. And maybe in the future we can run some seminars in your churches. We can help to build bridges and the cross can bring us together. Just finally, I want you to write to the Prime Minister and ask the Prime Minister if he could meet with some of us within the Christian church. 
the new Bishop of Canberra. He'll be there tomorrow, him and his wife. So I'll remind them to be talking to the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition. I don't want to be fighting with the police and politicians. We want to sit down and talk things through that the cross can and will make a difference in this nation. Thank you for those who have taken on Aboriginal issues. Judy and the Evie, husband and Trevor have been wonderful friends of mine over many, many years. And I went through your ordination many, many years ago in Redfern. And um, yeah, the Lord's given us so many wonderful friends. So thank you very much and God bless you. And we can, we can change our nation. Not only with rallies and marches. I don't go along to many rallies and marches because I'm there looking after everybody else, making cups of tea and looking after people. But we can all come together in Christ. So thank you very much. Thank you for allowing your church to have these events. And we've known each other for over 20, more than 20 years, haven't we, Jeff? No, that's right. <laughs> I'm going on for 84. And the doctor said I've got good health, so must be from growling a lot, eh? Thank you very, very much. But these cards, if your church can sell some of these cards, they all go back into Aboriginal ministries. And so if you can do that, that will help us. Thank you very much. tough act to follow. <laughs> uh, my name's Kyle Wadigo Jr. I'm a proud Torres Strait Islander, South Sea Islander, uh, man with ties to Bunjalung Nation. I'd like to pay my respects to uh, our elders of the Gadigal Nation, uh, Gadigal people, the Uriora Nation, their yeah, um, elders past, um, present and emerging. Also I'd like to pay my respects to our elders here, Aunty Jean, Aunty Sharon, Larissa. And um, Uncle Ray Minicon, who can't be with us tonight. I'd also like to pay my respects to our elders who have travelled um, from a long way away to be with us. And for all our elders uh, whose uh, origins might be from another place, um, as Brooke mentioned before. <coughs> so um, just going to do a couple of songs, a little bit of a medley. Um, but first, if I, I might just like to pray, if that's okay. Father God, we thank you that we can uh, join here tonight. We ask your Holy Spirit to go before us tomorrow in our churches and in our everyday lives. We thank you for the people. We ask that you touch their hearts and. Um, that a seed would be planted with your Holy Spirit wisdom and courage to move forward with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues in this country. We ask you for your strength for our Aboriginal Christian leaders. We pray for good health, Lord, for good for resilience and courage. And we ask you in the name of Jesus. Jesus, 
Would you sing with me that beautiful name? Jesus. Clap now, 
Treaty, yeah. Treaty now. Treaty, yeah. Treaty now. Well, I heard it on the radio. And I saw it on the television. Back in 1988, all those talking politicians. Treaty, yeah. Treaty, yeah. Treaty, yeah. Treaty now. This land was never bought and sold. This land was never given up. The planting of the Union Jack never changed nothing at all. Treaty, yeah. Treaty now. Treaty, yeah. Treaty, Treaty, yeah. Treaty now. Treaty, yeah. Treaty now. Thank you. Um, I think we've um, just got one more little song to sing, and I hope I'm not spoiling anything. But um, she quite um, offered it up before, so. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Bruce. Happy birthday to you. I would just like to acknowledge our future elder from the past, as we saw before with that beautiful picture, the present and long way into the future. Thank you, Brooke. Father God, we ask you to bless Brooke in the name of Jesus and give her strength as she continues to go around the country and uh, change people's hearts. We ask you to protect her, Lord God. Bless her with health. Bless her with courage and wisdom. We ask you for favour everywhere she goes and the words to speak, the courage to stand up, but most of all the love that comes with an almighty Saviour in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Wow, thank you so much, Cole Watergo Jr. Is this yours? Oh, yeah. Yours? <laughs> um, thank you so much again, Arnie Jean Phillips as well, and Brooke Prentice. Um, thank you. It really is a privilege. Um, and may we journey with our heads, hearts, and minds for voice, treaty, and truth. Um, peace talks. Yes, already up there. Um, we've got another Peace talk, Talks events uh, Thursday, the 6th of June. It's at 7 p.m. Um, the, that's with Erin Sessions. Um, she's an academic, a writer, a spe speaker, and a poet, and she's speaking on the Song of Songs and Australia's problem with partner violence. So please join us if you can. Um, 
I've also been flagged to this event happening on June the 4th, which we don't have a, um, a PowerPoint for, but there's little uh, pamphlets up the back. Uh, it's the making of A Blaze, which is the story of the first Aboriginal filmmaker, William Bill Onus. Uh, Tuesday the 4th of June, it's being run by Amnesty International. Uh, there's going to be screening of never-before-seen scenes from that upcoming documentary, as well as um, talks from Alec Morgan, who's the co-director, uh, and Phil Duncan. Um, a reminder, tomorrow is National Sorry Day. This next week is um, National Reconciliation Week. And now it's time for cake. We need this. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Let's continue on, friends. Eat that cake.